When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode 207. This episode is brought to you by the gentle and classical press. Of course, we're going to be talking to Erin Cox today, and she's the founder of the gentle and classical press. So I want you to use my referral link, which is for one more.com forward slash gentle classicals. So she knows we sent you and check out their beautiful resources from preschool curriculum to nature studies and morning virtues. You're going to find all sorts of stuff there, all the way for your kids, all the way up to sixth grade. And I love that their teacher's guides are free. So you can actually see the program for yourself, download that and see what it's all about before you jump right in. So head on over to 41more.com forward slash gentle classical and take a peek at what Aaron has for you over there. Welcome to episode 207. You can find the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 207. It was a real treat to talk with Aaron Cox of Gentle and Classical Press because as a veteran homeschool mom herself, she's a mom of four and her kids are early elementary to young adult. You know, she's been at this for a while. And sometimes when you look at people online, especially people who run curriculum companies or podcasters or bloggers, you can think, wow, they have it all together. They know what they're doing. Every day must be perfect. But we talk about real life home education and we kind of peel back the curtain and Erin is just very honest and she kind of gives us a peek about, you know, what does it mean to homeschool in a gentle classical way? What are some non-negotiables? If you're having a bad day, what really has to get done and what things do you not worry about? Or, you know, what are your priorities? What are the goals here? And so I think it's going to be really encouraging, even if you're just starting out or if you're a veteran homeschool mom, I think this chat will give you some encouragement. And it's also fun to peel back the curtain and see what homeschool life is like for other moms, right? So it's kind of fun in a lot of ways. But before I bring on Aaron, let me give you a bio so we have that officially out of the way. So Erin Cox is a homeschool mom of four from young adult to early elementary, and she's the CEO and president of the Gentle and Classical Press, which she runs with her husband from their home in Montgomery, Alabama. She's the author of the Gentle and Classical Preschool and the founding editor of On Mission Magazine. She writes on her site, lifeabundantlyblog.com, and of course, you can find all her products and resources with my referral code. So she knows we sent you at 41more.com forward slash gentle classical. All right, here's my chat with Aaron Cox. I really think you'll enjoy it. Aaron, it is such an honor to have you on the Homeschool with Moxie podcast today. Thanks for joining us. 
Thank you for having me, Abby. I am really, really excited to be here. So let's start from the very beginning. Tell us about why you started homeschooling at the beginning. Tell us about your kids and, you know, how many you have. And then like, what has changed through the years for you? Because you've been at this for a little while. So I'm sure you've seen some some changes. I have seen some changes. Um, so that's a very good question. Just Just to kind of get the ball rolling, I have been homeschooling for, this is our 12th year. And um, I have four children. Uh, one has graduated. She, I have a homeschool graduate, which feels like this giant milestone, especially when you're in the beginning years. And so she is 18 and she is out adulting and doing her adult things. And then I have a 16-year-old and um, who is obviously still homeschooling. And then a seven-year-old and a six-year-old. They're in kindergarten and first grade. And so I started homeschooling 12 years ago. It's not your stereotypical story. I, I had an interest, and I feel like this is definitely a God thing, about homeschool from the time I was pregnant with my eldest daughter. And I remember reading Karen Andriola's Charlotte Mason Companion while I was pregnant with her, and I cannot tell you for the life of me how I got that book. All I can think of is I ran across it in Goodwill. And something appealed and I picked it up and I remember sitting there very pregnant and reading it and being exposed to these ideas about motherhood and education. And it was just everything my heart longed for, but no one had ever put into words. And that was just like the beginning spark for me. And I did not have the means to not work at that time. So she went off to preschool and I kind of put homeschooling in my back pocket. And when my second daughter was four, I had this very stressful situation at a job I was at. And just for my own mental health, I just quit one day. I was just like, this is it. I'm never coming back here. And I just left that day. And I went home and I told my husband, I was like, I'm I'm not going back to work there. And he was like, okay, we'll figure it out. And so I had my four-year-old in preschool at that time. And so I immediately withdrew her because I couldn't afford <laughs> to pay for it anymore. And I started like making things, like all kind of crafty things and selling those. And so we started homeschooling preschool. And that was in maybe like September of whatever year that was. <laughs> and um by December, my daughter, who was in second grade, was like, I want to be homeschooled too. And the Lord provided in a lot of ways, like he doubled my husband's work and income and immediately. It was just absolutely a God thing. Um, and so we just kind of played homeschool during Christmas break that year, read Little House on the Prairie and, and did anything in the book that we thought we could do at home just for some hands-on learning and just absolutely fell in love with it. And so we've, you know, haven't really looked back. Um, not too much. I looked back for like a month when I was pregnant with my fourth child unexpectedly and my girls wanted to go to school, but that was a horrible experience. And we very much learned that we were a homeschool family from that point. And so um, Charlotte Mason was my first exposure in homeschooling. And as I became a homeschooler, I read, of course, The Well-Trained Mom. That's one of the first books everyone tells you to read. And so I read that and have just continued to fall love and fall in love more and more with Charlotte Mason and classical education over this past decade. Um, so I've been married. That's my husband matters too. <laughs> I've been married for, oh gosh, this will be 21 years. This year will be 21 years. And um, we have a little homestead here in Alabama where we have 
gosh, we have around 100 chickens now and four goats. And I'm literally in a text message war with him fighting about getting a cow. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, and so that's that's pretty much our life and our family. Um, and as far as what has changed with homeschooling. So I'll say that the Amazon Prime mentality has bled over into homeschool as a general like expectation. So when I first started out homeschooling just a little over a decade ago, it was go to the library, find what you could. There were resources online. Pinterest was pretty much a homeschoolers like, you know, la la land, like it was fairy tale land. And so you could go to Pinterest um, for things. And, and that was kind of it. There were a few homeschool curriculum companies and they had been around for a while. They were like the the founders of home education in the United States and they had developed things and um, they had great resources. But if you wanted to go like away from that at all, it was you were on your own and you had to be very innovative and um, have a lot of initiative. And I've just noticed like as homeschooling has become more mainstream, which is a very good thing, there is a little bit of an expectation of everything kind of being open and go. I don't want any kind of prep work. I don't want to have to plan anything. I want to open it up. You tell me what to do and I just get to do it that day. And while I am extremely efficiency-minded person, so I love for things to be convenient, it loses a little bit of the passion for the philosophies and stuff behind why we home educate, if that makes sense. So that is both what I've seen change the most and also probably my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> that <laughs> the is interesting. Bill. Yeah. I haven't heard anyone actually like say it that way, but that is so true. Like, and when you're in the middle of it and you're homeschooling as things are changing around you, you almost don't realize the changes, but you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, it's changed a lot. I mean, it's, you know, it used to be there were like maybe five or six major Mm -hmm. curriculum companies and they're still here and Mm -hmm. they're kind of like changing with the times as well. But now you can go on Etsy or go online and find like any unit study you could imagine has already been made for you and you have plenty to pick from. Like what art style do you like? Will you pick the unit study that aligns with that or what your, you know, you like classical stuff or Charlotte Mason stuff. Like there is something for literally anybody that wants to do school in any way at any age level ready for you. And so that is, is absolutely a blessing because it shouldn't have been ever as hard to homeschool as it was. Um, But then there's a little bit of like taking it for granted kind of thing as well. A little bit of that. Oh gosh, this is going to sound ranty, but a little bit of like um, entitlement is kind of comes into it, like with wanting things to be like so simple. And if you've been homeschooling for a while, it's kind of like, do you know how much harder this was for me like 10 years ago? And you want me to like already make sure these things are cut out for you? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just a big, it's just an overall cultural shift in home educating, mm-hmm. I think. And I think convenience at times has trumped um philosophy just Mm -hmm. a little bit not always not that's not true of everyone um but it it seems to be like I guess a vibe is what I'm kind of feeling and experiencing interesting all right so let's talk about 
real life home education. And if you're like on a mini homestead and stuff, I'm sure you have a lot of like goals for your kids. And like, I mean, they have this natural learning environment all around them. It's really cool. But maybe even talk to the mom like who doesn't have that or who's stuck in like a little house without any land. I don't know. What does real life home education mean to you? What do you mean when you say that term? So it's just a matter of bringing your kids alongside you in whatever it is that you're doing. Um, And that's hard. Like it's, it's actually a lot harder to kind of make that happen, I think, because we have to slow down and then we have to pace our lives around our children. And this is something that I know and I have seen have tremendous value in my own children when I let it happen. But it can be one of the hardest things to do because it is like if you have a lot to do in a homeschool moms, just we have a lot of hats that we wear. Like, I mean, almost every homeschool mom I know also is either in ministry at her church or has a job or just something, or maybe runs a co-op or whatever. Like she's not just at home with her kids homeschooling. Um, and so it, it can be hard to like slow down and, and bring our kids alongside. And then the other aspect of just real life homeschooling is like, there can be an, like, we cannot overemphasize how important it is to minister our children, disciple them, and, and make sure their their homeschool experiences are good and true and beautiful and lovely. But there can be a disconnect in how we're seeing that play out, like, on social media, because everything is beautiful when it's on social media, and the fact of the matter is, like, as a, as a content creator for social media, I know I have to make it look beautiful because if I don't make it look beautiful, no one's going to share it, no one's going to click like, and nobody's going to interact with it. So we are inherently drawn to these really beautiful ideals. And so when we're on Instagram or, you know, whatever, and we're going through our feed and we see all these beautiful moments and settings and setups and, and programs and things... And then we think about like, we look around ourselves at that moment, you know, at the mess Mm -hmm. (laughs) or the curriculum that's like 10% done when you should be 80% done with it. And, you know, I, I, we started the year doing artist study and we've done it five times. Like that is what real life homeschooling means to me is just being honest that like not everything's going to be beautiful even most of the time, but it can be beautiful in moments. And those are the moments that you have to kind of savor, but also to enjoy like the messiness of it all, because it does go me having like an 18 year old child. It goes so quickly. And so just not beating ourselves up because things aren't seeming to be as beautiful as what it seems to be for everyone else. I'm not doing as many beautiful hands-on activities as this person is. I'm not doing elaborate book um, parties with themed foods and all these types of things. Like those are wonderful, beautiful ideas and not to like knock anybody for doing because, you know, I wish we could all do those all the time, but just understanding that like, that's not for real how it is for most people most of the time. Most of us feel way behind all of the time. We end our day, most of us, I think, unless I'm I'm alone in this feeling, a lot of regret for maybe the things that we didn't get to or how we mismanaged our times or how much time we wasted doing this or that. 
or how we snapped at our kids and we weren't patient and there were tears during the reading lesson and just all those things like those, I feel like it's just so important, even though social media isn't the best place for that because it has to look pretty podcasts, I think are a really good place for just being really honest with our stories about how things are just hard and we have great expectations and sometimes we nail it. And those, those nail it moments, even if it's one out of 10, those do genuinely matter and they do stack up over time and they do create core memories, but we don't have to nail it all of the time. If you do picture study 10 times out of 180 days of school, that was 10 days that your child studied beautiful art and you don't, don't know, it may be something that just like gets lost in the recesses of, of their mind, or it could be like a core catalyst for some something in their heart and their mind that God will use. Like we don't have to look at all of our insufficiencies in not doing it all and doing it all perfectly, but we can instead focus on like, I'm going to give the best that I can each day. And I'm definitely going to mess up and fall short, but God is the God of increase, especially in my weaknesses and just trust him in that in home education as well. So that was long, but that's what I mean by real life homeschooling. That's really helpful. I think that's going to encourage a lot of moms. You're right. Social media makes us do this comparison thing all the time. And it's not helpful. You're right. Like most days are not beautiful. Most days are chaotic, but in the end, we're all glad we're home with our kids, right? Even though it's right. a mess, it's messy in the middle, but oh, you're totally right. So as you're homeschooling, Erin, do you have some non-negotiables that you're like, we are definitely, like you said, artist study. Okay. Well, maybe we don't get to it all the time, but I'm sure there's some things that are non-negotiables. Well, I think when you're dealing with early elementary school students, reading and math are non-negotiables. And so because I like to make sure I do have time for at least something beautiful every day, whether it's God's word or some recitations or, or whatever it is on the most chaotic day, I want us to still sit down and read a book, right? And so I do have my boys, like currently we just moved our math over to Beast Academy, um, and I love it because it is online and they can kind of sit near their dad. If there's dad, like he's been putting new flooring down, so they can sit near him and do it and he can answer their questions and help them with it. He's not, he's like not a teacher type person. So he doesn't, you know, do any of the homeschooling or whatever, but he can oversee any independent work. And that frees me up during the hours I do have in the morning to do all that we need to do with reading and writing. Um, my older son and my younger daughter are both dyslexic and have various learning challenges, dysgraphia. Um, and so doing reading with him is not like a quick thing. And it needs to, it has to be the top priority in order for him to keep making the progress that he needs to make because it's a lot harder for him to make progress than it is for others. Um, and then his younger brother is doing great and he's in kindergarten. So with him, it's just like, let's read and do math. And then everything else is gravy. And I do like, I always hate to even hear myself say that because they, because the true, my true heart is that in early education, the most important things be those good and beautiful things. So in my heart, those are always the top priority of how we form our homeschool rhythms. But when push comes to shove, they have to learn how to read. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's the, that's the non-negotiable. 
The other thing that we always seem to do really well at is our morning basket time. So on, on a very bare day where we just get the absolute minimum done, we're getting reading and math done. If we have, you know, an hour, which is a normal day, we at least have an hour. Um, then we're going to sit down and do our morning virtues together, which is where we do a hymn and we do a poem and we do an affirmation about whatever we're wor working on during that time. And we read a fable in a poem and um, a little bit of a chapter book. My boys, their attention spans for chapter books are still like very, very short. So we read a little bit of a chapter book and then um, dive into, you know, our morning binder where we're doing our dates and, you know, all those types of things. And so then I just kind of like this, had this hierarchy in my head. Like if we can get that done in reading and math, we've had a good day. And then if we can go one step beyond that and we can get into science and all those types of things, then that's fantastic too. So that's kind of how things work out for us. That's good to hear also, because some moms feel like, well, if I don't do seven things every day with every kid, you know, it's a failure, but it's not. So that, that's, not. that's important, right? Even though, you know, if you're homeschooling for any length of time, you know, you're not going to do everything every day, but sometimes the new moms, they're like, I'm a failure because I'm not doing it. And it's just not true. Right. So now you talk about gentle classical, you put those words together. What do you mean by educating in a gentle classical way? And maybe also talk to us about, you mentioned Charlotte Mason, you mentioned the classical approach. Are those opposites? Sometimes we think we have to put our stake in the ground and say, I'm Charlotte Mason, or I'm classical, or I'm this or that. Like, how can they work together? And what do you mean by gentle classical? So gentle is definitely hearkening over to Charlotte Mason's mentality. Um, <clears throat> and it was just the way I wanted to phrase after homeschooling my girls, there's a nine year gap between my younger daughter and my older son. And so I had several years of homeschooling experience with them before I had more children. Like we thought we were done and God said, no, you're not. And so we had our two sons. And so when they were babies, I really knew already what I wanted to do with them. I had really figured out our philosophy of education and what worked best for really a lot of different learning styles because my two girls were polar opposites um, and one having learning disabilities. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. And so it really became like clear to me that for us combining a lot of well, I'll say combining. I believe that Charlotte Mason is a classical educator. And I think that a lot of times people look at her work and maybe something like the well-trained mind, for example. And I love the well-trained mind. Or they'll look at her plus like classical conversations, things that are very neoclassical. Like they're they're in they're a modernized version of classics, especially classical conversation, really being rooted in a lot of like Dorothy Sayers. Um essays and stuff. And so they'll look at those things and they'll point out all the ways they're different. And therefore, Charlotte Mason can't be considered a classical educator. And those are two different paradigms of education. And I, that's not how I function. I always look for similarities in things. And so you can say, well, Charlotte Mason says to do history in this way, but in classical, you do the four cycles and classical is more of an, you know, overview, 10,000 feet overview, where you just go through these cycles over and over again. And then Charlotte, Charlotte Mason is not, she's got several different streams of history running concurrently, and you're focused on heroes and stories, and especially in elementary school. And so those things are the opposite, and that makes one better than the other. Like, it's kind of the idea, because as homeschool moms, we're often 
We want the best for our children. It's why we home educate. And so we're always looking for the weaknesses in something. And we're trying to find the thing that has the least weaknesses and seems to create the environment and the the output that we want at the end of the experience. And I have obviously gone like beyond like the well-trained mind and no uh, norms and nobility and um oh gosh the liberal arts tradition and all these classical books written about classical education that are about true classical education like all the way back it's not just about memorizing some dates and some names and things and when I read those volumes and I read Miss Mason's volumes there are so much more things that are similar then they are different. And I even think some some of the things that people would say are different are really just a different way of viewing the same thing. And when it came down to it, they both, both principally are functioned on knowing God and making Him known to our children, to the world around us. And they might have slightly different paths, but the end goal is the same. And I think no matter which path you go down, you're going to end up in the same with the same result regardless a well educated child who hopefully at least knows truth even if they're working on working that out for themselves um and knows what is good and true and beautiful and wants to seek that out in the world and so ultimately for me i liked you know some of the aspects of classical education and i loved so many of the aspects of miss mason but i don't agree with her about everything like she seemed to be like against picture books and she talks about certain things like foreign language never miss a day of it and just these things that are beautiful lofty ideas but like i don't have staff okay like i don't have staff in my homeschool or in my home and so like to me there was there was there had to be a way to like use the best of both of these worlds and what they have in common. And every homeschool mom that I knew, both online and in person, they would kind of consider themselves, I like living books and I like nature study and I like um, you know, narration, but I also like having some memory statements and some things that we work on memorizing. And I love the great books and I love, you know, d- just these different aspects, the history cycles and they say, I like some of both. And I thought, well, I like some of both. And everyone that I know likes some of both. So maybe we don't have to go pick a camp and bury ourselves in it. And we can say both of these things are good and true, clearly inspired by the Holy Spirit or taken captive by God for His purposes, like in classical education. And um, and we can do one or either or both. And so that was kind of where I found myself was between two worlds where, you know, you've got a lot of companies that are truly genuinely classical. They don't talk about Charlotte Mason's principles at all. Um, And then you've got the people that are like, you know, very, very dedicated to Charlotte Mason's principles and they won't do anything that they would consider classical. And one, one statement, one, I guess, area to me would be like the idea of memory statements or memorization. So we have memory statements in our general classical programs. Well, I I just detest memorization with no context at all. And so that's never the point of our programs. We have a memory statement more as a peg to notate what we're going to be learning about. And if you want to say those with your child so they get a couple of those names and dates into their memory, 
then that's fantastic. But really the book is what it's about. And it's going to be a living book that we have scheduled to go along with it as well. And so it takes some of the aspects of both sides and blends them together and says, you can have both. You can have your cake and eat it too. You don't have to pick one or the other. Um, Or you can just use the pieces however they work best for you. I think about and Miss Mason's like recitations. The reason she has children recite poems over and over again is that they would memorize them. <laughs> she didn't call it memorization because she didn't want the goal to be just, I'm going to say this until I memorize it. She wanted them to practice saying it out loud and speaking beautifully. And then over the course of time, saying these beautiful ideas would kind of like be planted in their soul and they would remember them and be able to call them to mind later. Um, but when it comes down to it, it's just like memorization. You just have to have like the right, you know, goal behind it, I guess. And so that's that's gentle classical for us. It's just taking the best of both worlds, blending it together, putting teeth to it. I feel like a lot of people see, like love the, the Charlotte Mason ideals, but maybe feel like they're not being told exactly what to do. And I think it's an interesting aspect of Miss Mason's philosophy is that she talks so much about it being a philosophy of education and not a system. And I agree that you don't want to enter into educating your children just with a system in mind because a system indicates we're going to have a specific output, right? So if it's a system, then I, I'm putting an A and B and I can get guarantee C at the end. And that's just not true because these are humans. Um, But at the same time, like in order for a busy homeschool mom who doesn't have a staff to be able to get through all of her obligations in the day without losing her mind, there do have to be systems in place. And so, you know, as much as it might like make her angry to hear me say it, like that was the goal with general class school was to take what I saw of hers that was so beautiful and make it a little bit of a system that made it possible to hit all of these areas with the recitations. And then you rotate through the books during the week so you can get all those living books in and then you have them narrate after you read and all those types of things. But it made it um, very efficiency minded, but it made it made me able to be efficient with what is a very robust educational pedagogy. So let's dive into the gentle classical press because if mo- if moms are like, okay, tell me what I'm going to find there. Give us like an idea, what grade levels, what kind of, t- I know you have a whole bunch of stuff, but like if someone's starting out, what's a good way to try it out without jumping all into everything? Like how, wh- how would you direct moms to look at, look at what you have? Well, we have a lot of stuff for free because we want people to know exactly what they're getting. We do not want, like, I hate to buy curriculum and then regret it. And we don't want people to have that feeling. So our teacher's guides for preschool and primer, which is kindergarten, um, and then nature one and nature two, which are both like kindergarten through the fourth grade, those are all completely free. And so they can download those. They can read about our philosophy. They can read like how our schedules are, um, all the living books that we include. And honestly, they can just use the teacher's guides and they and never spend any money with us. Um, if they want some, if they want to build out a memory statement board, if they want notebooks to make it all a little bit, just that kind of system that I talked about that makes it a little easier to actually get it all done, then we do have those available in the shop as well. Um, our number one 
because it was the first, the number one product people know us for and come to us for is our preschool program. Um, it's, you know, by and large, our most popular program. And really, it's we consider it foundational. We even have people use the preschool program in kindergarten because it does have so much content and it's really very flexible. So if you have a child that's like six or under, I would always recommend there um, or download preschool and primer and kind of compare. And then um, we have On Mission, which is a, I'll say social studies to make it like, you know, an easy kind of pill to swallow to make it a curriculum type thing. So social studies and then um, Morning Virtues, which would be maybe you would consider it your humanities or beauty loop type thing. And those are geared from like first grade all the way through high school because everyone needs to memorize scripture and can sing the same hymn and can listen to the same poetry and, and study the same art. And that's kind of what Morning Virtues is. So it's super flexible. Um, and we have a free issue of On Mission and a free issue of Morning Virtues. And they can all be found under, I think, like free stuff <laughs> is what it's called in our shop. Yeah. I love that. My my daughter is adopted from Ethiopia. So we got your Ethiopian uh, on mission and she loves it. Like it was so special to, to get that. And so I really, I really, we've loved that. That's awesome. So Erin, um, as we wrap up, do you have final encouragement for moms in the trenches with this real life home education that's swirling all around them? Like, what do you say as we wrap up just to encourage moms out there? Just to take it one day at a time. Um what you're doing is really beautiful and holy work. And a lot of times it feels like a whole mess instead of like holiness. <laughs> and um, it's important that we just remember who we're doing it for and where our strength comes from. A lot of us feel called to home education by God, but then we feel like he, like, oh, now he's called us to it. We have to do it. Well, we do have to obey him. We do have to get up and, and go through the steps, but he'll direct us to the curriculum. He will direct us to the community. Like he will help us make those hard decisions for our child that may be learning differently than what we expected them to learn. Like there's there's never a time that he won't help you. Like even pick a curriculum, which seems like, like why would you pray about that? But it's one of the most important things that you do when you're homeschooling. And he has not called you to something that is so countercultural and challenging just to abandon you in the midst of it. So just turn to him like, like every day, the moaning is a prayer, but also like, you know, pray without ceasing as you go through your day, because that's really the only way to get to the end of your day and feel like you really fulfilled what you were called to do and that you really obeyed him, that you weren't just out here operating, you know, on a whim and without any purpose and clarity. So where can people find you online, Erin? So our shop is shopgentleclassical.com. Um, they can just Google Gentle Classical and it's the, obviously the first thing. We also have a blog attached to that. Um, on social media, we are gentle and what is it? Oh Lord, gentle and classical on Instagram. You see how much I pay attention to that. <laughs> and on anyway, on, on um, Facebook. So if they just search Gentle Classical, they'll find us on either one. Lovely. Um, we will put links to everything in the show notes, of course, which people can go check out. Erin, thanks for taking time to chat with us today and encourage moms. Thank you for having me. It was a joy. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to check out the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 207. We'll be back next week as always. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling.